Rusty Quill presents. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is entry 3111, titled The Goblet Wire. Oh, no, sorry, that's the letterhead. Yep, nope, the letterhead says The Goblet Wire. No, the title is Red Hat, written and submitted by an exchange member named Esther Ellis. Beneath their name it says, Creator of The Goblet Wire. Hmm, I guess I'll look that one up later. After the move, Dean was my only friend. My dad got a new job and we had to uproot. I traded endless flat suburbia for small lakes and wooded hills. I traded biking to the mall after school to having to walk home before it got dark. I traded a school that I knew for a school that I didn't. I don't know why Dean singled me out. Maybe he had tried his game with the other students and they didn't want to play anymore. I ate my lunches with my back to a tree, out of the way. I didn't like my sandwich anymore. The store in the new town didn't have the brand of bread I was used to and the texture was all wrong. I was eating my new, unfortunate sandwich, trying to make sense of my new, unfortunate homework for my new, unfortunate class, when a voice made me jump. 
Hey, kid, do you smoke? Uh, no, I replied. He was wearing crusty boots with paracord shoelaces and cuffed black pants. I don't know where he came from. He was just there. Good, he said. I need you to play lookout. He started walking away, then turned, nodded for me to join, and continued. He took me to the woods at the edge of the school grounds and told me to keep an eye out for, in his phrasing, narcs. I didn't even know what a narc was. But I stood there and stared out at the field while he smoked. This became a daily routine. He'd walk by, mutter, come on, and I'd play lookout while he smoked. When he was done, he'd walk off and I'd go to class. Until one autumn day, he lights up a cigarette and mutters, I'm gonna show you something. I was a little unnerved. He rarely said much to me. Come on, he said, like he had dozens of times before. But this time, he walked deeper into the woods. Fall had just started stripping the trees of their leaves, and the undergrowth was thick and damp. There was no trail, but he navigated around boulders and logs like he'd done it a hundred times. Before long, he stopped. You smell it? he asked. I didn't know how to respond. Look there. We were at the base of a brook that had dried up during the summer. But something was off. It was humid. The muggy warmth clashed with the crisp autumn breeze. The fallen leaves buried the earth six inches deep. All for one spot, at the base of a half-collapsed tree. As I approached the absence, my feet displaced the leaves, shoving their siblings forward and over the edge of... A hole, wide enough to fit a person, too deep to see the bottom from my vantage point. I felt the hair on the back of my head bristle. I couldn't help but step forward. I almost jumped when he spoke again. It appeared six months ago, the hole, the filthy, dirty hole. It seemed to breathe earthly rot and hot, damp air. I tried to peer over the edge. I wanted to see the bottom. Careful, he shouted. If you fall in, no one will be able to pull you out. I asked how deep it was. He responded, you would never stop falling. My nerve snapped. I ran. And as I ran, he laughed. I didn't see him at school the next day, or that week, but I could not stop thinking about that hole. The way it smelled, the way it swallowed those leaves, the taste of the air around it. I shouldn't have listened to Dean. I should have gone all the way. I should have peered over the edge to take in its everything. During lunch hour, I would stare out at the woods. One day, I even got the guts to walk across the field. I was frozen, afraid to cross the threshold, and I was saved by a teacher who demanded that I go back. I retreated gratefully. But as I went about my routine, I would encounter whispers of the hole. A smell near the bus stop on the way home. 
an unusual humidity by the stairs leading up to my family's apartment. I would search and search, but I could not find the source. I had a nightmare about the stream bed, about the leaves, about it. I would start to lean ever so slowly over the edge, but somebody would pull me backwards and I fell and fell and fell. When I woke, I was determined. I was going back to the hole. I was going to see inside of it. It was a Saturday, and I had to hop a side fence to get onto the school grounds. It was important to enter the woods at our usual spot so that I didn't get lost. And there was little risk of being caught by an adult. I was possessed. I had tunnel vision. I marched past my lunch tree, past the field. I think if I had stopped to think about what I was doing, I would have fled. But I held to my single-minded determination and entered the woods. Without the noise of the school, the woods were too quiet. And I was too loud. It was like my breathing was coming from another person. Heavy gasps so sharp my ears were ringing. And my steps shook my very body. Every squirrel, snake, and bird must have heard them for miles. My anxiety started to spike. But then I heard something that sobered me up. Metal impact on a stone. A person. I wasn't alone. I followed the noises. And a familiar warmth washed over me. A familiar odor. And as soon as I broke out into the stream bed, there he was. Dean. And there it was. The hole. You made it. Dean was chewing on a spent cigarette, swinging a metal baseball bat. Toss me that rock. I couldn't believe it. You were expecting me? He took another swing. I knew you'd come. You want that dirty hole. Don't pretend. Where have you been? I asked. I haven't seen you at school. He picked up a rock, tossed it in the air, then swung at it. It hit the broken tree and ricocheted out of sight. Didn't feel like going. Do you want to smoke? He never offered me cigarettes. It'll help cover up that disgusting smell. It gets into your clothes. If you take it home with you, you'll have dirty dreams. He pulled out a fresh one and lit it. Gestured for me to take it. I waved it off. I just wanted to get a better look. He picked up another rock. That's how it gets you. Curiosity. You gotta see it for what it really is. A filthy trap. You can't let it take you. He tossed it up and swung again. This time, when the stone hit the tree, it bounced into the hole. I waited to hear an impact. There was none. The stone was gone. I picked up a nearby stick. He nodded. That's right. Chuck it in. You gotta keep it at a distance. You throw it in to let it know that you are the apex predator. That it's just a gash in the ground. I didn't know what he was talking about. But I tossed it. Gently. It didn't quite make it all the way in. 
I picked up a longer stick, walked closer. It feels right, doesn't it? Go ahead, give it a shove. I leaned over, got on my knees, and then knocked it in. The stick disappeared. It was amazing. We spent the rest of the afternoon throwing rocks and branches and hubcaps into the hole. I felt powerful. I think he did too. I wasn't afraid of the hole anymore. I was stronger than it. As the sun set, Dean lit up one last cigarette and looked at the sky. We need to get out of here. You don't want to be caught in the woods after dark. Come on. We strut out of the trees, across the field, through the school. We hopped the front fence like we owned the place. The streetlights were on by the time we made it into the neighborhoods. As I turned to go home, he grabbed my arm. Hey, you did good today. Don't get cocky. I won't always be there to set you straight. He let go. I nodded. The smell of earth and rot was stronger by the time I reached my apartment. I could swear the shadows near the staircase were too deep, but it was dark. I couldn't let it get to my head. I started skipping class with Dean. I filled my bags with things to add to the hole. I didn't eat lunch for days. I saved it. For the hole. We threw in books and firecrackers. We toppled in a log. One time, Dean dragged in a full piece of luggage and shoved it into the hole. But the more time we spent with it, the more I questioned his wisdom. And that's when I realized. When I added something to the hole, it was an offering. When Dean did it, it was violence. Our fixation did not come from the same place, even if it had the same result. I cannot describe the nature of our camaraderie in the weeks to follow. The more we added, the closer we got. But with that closeness came intensity, an underlying greed. We were like two birds picking over the same roadkill. Aligned, frenzied, and liable to murder each other if anything upset the balance. And Dean didn't know that I found a second hole. It was difficult to detect at first. After our sessions in the woods, the scent of the hole would cling to me. But I woke up one night, sweating. I could taste it. It was like the stream bed, but richer. And it called to me. I put on slippers and snuck out. I tracked the heat down the stairs and around the building. The land was covered in ivy, and I navigated through it very carefully. My foot slipped. I fell onto my back. I sat up slowly. It was exhilarating. My leg was dangling over a new hole. I'd never been so close. Back in the woods, under Dean's watchful eye, I kept my distance. But now... I was practically in sight of it. I leaned over in bliss, letting my leg hang there in its empty embrace. I imagined what it would be like to slide in, to fall. It was too dark to see anything, but that almost made it better. Knowing I was looking into the hole, 
knowing how close I was. Dean was wrong. This was beautiful. This should be worshipped. I went back up to my room before anyone noticed. But when I opened my window, its humid breath filled my room. And if I looked out, I could see where it lay in the ivy. I could visit it every night. No one could stop me. Dean knew something was wrong. We were in the woods again. I just watched him, critically. I didn't like the way he cursed at it. How he called it dirty and filthy. The aggression with how he added to the hole. How could he resent something he was so hungry for? We didn't talk anymore. We didn't add together. He told the hole he hated it, and he threw in trash and stones. And I whispered that I loved it as I offered food and photographs. When I went home, I couldn't spend too much time with the ivy hole. It would attract suspicion. And I never went back in the dark to dangle my legs. I was too nervous. But I would watch it through the window as I fell asleep. I think the holes favored me. On the way home, I found a third by the bus stop. I knew not to question the signs now, and I was surrounded by its rich air. I didn't even look for it. I wanted to savor the experience. There'd be time to find it on the way home. At school, I didn't even bother going into the woods. I just ate my lunch on the field. My sandwiches tasted better now. Dean found me. He stared at me. He looked agitated. You're hiding something. I looked up at him. I don't know what you're talking about. I was at peace. He was tormented. It felt right. He leaned over and sniffed. You've got the stink on you. You're being taken in by that stinking, dirty hole. I got up and walked to my next class. I wasn't going to listen to him demean the holes anymore. He didn't understand them. I would go back to the hole in the woods over the weekend. I would soothe it with caring gifts. It didn't have to suffer with Dean alone. It had me. As I walked home, there was an old man at my bus stop with a dreamy look on his face. I was a little disappointed. I wanted to introduce myself to the new hole, which I could not do with an audience. But at the very least, I could bask in its sweet presence. I sat down on the bench, taking it in. The old man let out a satisfied sigh. Ah, can you smell it? I'm young again. I didn't respond. Was this a trick? I was a fool. Too afraid. Too confused. But today, today I think I am ready. He stood up, steadying himself with the bench, walked past me. I saw it now. The hole. It was right there in the open, and he could see it too. It wasn't just me. I barely choked down that realization when I realized what he was doing. He walked 
straight to its edge, the toes of his shoes hanging over by inches. He breathed in deeply, closed his eyes, and dropped. I almost threw up. I was horrified, fascinated, jealous, appalled. It hit me how naive I was. I had daydreamed about entering the hole a hundred times, but seeing it happen right in front of me, I couldn't take it. I ran home as fast as I could. No sooner had I made it to the staircase when something hit me in the back of the head. A stone? There was blood. Not a moment later, Dean was on top of me. He was yelling. Spit was flying. What did I tell you? They found you. They whispered to you. And they told you lies. You didn't tell me. I could have saved you. We could have put it in its place. But you let it grow where you slept. How many holes have you looked at? How many holes have you touched? I kicked out as hard as I could and he hit the wall. I scrambled up. He grabbed my shoe. I twisted, let it slip off my foot, and bolted. I wasn't seeing straight. I let my feet direct me. He wasn't far behind. Screaming, his ash-packed lungs out about all the things I had done to the holes while he wasn't looking. He was deranged. I was too. Before long, I was hopping a fence, crossing a field, tearing through woods. He was crying now, crying and cursing. I couldn't let him catch me. He would kill me. I would kill him. I ran until I found my only comfort, my only hope. The air filled me with strength. It was there in the stream bed, under the broken tree. I was so close, so close. I tripped, tore my jeans, let the rocks bloody my shins and palms. It called for me. It was so warm and sweet and wet. I would know it. Dean could not stop me. He began pulling at my leg, yelling, no, no, no. I grabbed at one of the rocks he had left for future trips, spun around, let it break across his mouth. A tooth went flying. He was sobbing and screaming, and I was free. I stood, turned, the hole. It favored me. He would never understand. I walked to the edge. I breathed it in so thick, so rich, so delicious. I was vaguely aware of Dean hugging me, crying out that he would save me trying to pull me back. But the hole loved me. It shared its power with me. I held his arms to my chest, flung myself forward. We tumbled and fell and fell and fell. He shrieked. I laughed. Absolute. Bliss.
Tiny Terrors is an anthology horror podcast produced by Pulp Audio and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode was directed by Cole Weavers, with sound production and editing by Mike Lebeau. To find additional information or to join our Patreon for additional content and ad-free episodes, visit our website, www.tinyterrorspod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tiny Terrors Pod. Or join the Pulp Audio Discord by clicking the link in the description below. Rate and review us on Spotify and Apple. And finally, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.